Let's try it opposite. I started with no, American Timelines. No, because that didn't work. Okay. Welcome to another episode of American, American Timelines. Timelines. I'm Amy. And I'm Joe. And we are going to talk to you today about what year? What? What year are we going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> you know. Why are you asking? If you we know. are going to talk about 1981. This episode, we are going to cover the year 1981. 1981, I was... American Timelines is a podcast nine. about pop culture and murder it's yes it's about the crazy things that have happened through the decades we cover stupid pro wrestling things crazy murders and crazy things that happen sometimes an alien abduction and sometimes a surprise because i told you i have a surprise for you oh sometimes anal beads no that's not my surprise let's go ahead and start in january january 1st of 1981 what happened in january well in january this this first item is a I couldn't find. I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find when in the in the year it happened. Yeah, but it happened in 1981. So I'll just start with this. A couple sued ACDC, the band. Mm-hmm. Remember the band yep. ACDC? Yeah. In 1981, uh, do you remember the song "Dirty Deeds"? Dirty yep. Deeds, yeah. Thunder Cheap. Yes. Dirty Deeds, Thunder Cheap. That's a great song. But in 1981, a couple sued ACDC mm-hmm. for $250,000 because their telephone number is in the song Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, resulting in hundreds of prank phone calls. The song's 36, 24, 36 digits yeah. were followed by a hey, which to which to the clients sounded like an eight. Oh, my God. So they were all calling. To, to the couple who sued. Uh, was it supposed to be a phone number that he's no, singing about? It was so, you know, 36, 24, 36. Oh, that's, that's a, a oh, woman's measurements. But they say 36, 24, 36. Hey! So it sounds like eight. So three six two four three six eight is this couple's number. I, I would never think number. to do that. Wh- who are these people doing this? So um, anyone listening, call that number and har- harass the hell out of them. See if they'll sue us. Why, why would you hear those numbers and say, oh, I'm going to make it into a phone number and I'm going to call it? Because people are fucking... Remember the left-handed whopper? Yeah, that's people true. People are idiots. All right. That's that reason alone is probably why. Because mm-hmm. I always wonder when I was a kid. Anytime we see her no, phone number on TV, it's five five five. Is there right? Code, yeah, because it's not real. They don't want it to be real because people will. Yeah. People will just hear a number on TV, then they'll just call it just to see who, <laughs> whose phone number so it is. Stupid. What do they say? What does that phone call go <laughs> I like? Know. Hello. Oh, is this ACDC? Is this uh, is this David Schwimmer from Friends? Uh, I heard the phone number on Friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you wh- know your phone number was on uh, Who's the Boss? Tony Danza said it. Like, wh- what do they say? I know. What else happened? January 21st, 1981, was Ronald Reagan's inauguration. Oh. He became president. He beat Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter yes. ran for re-election. That's and right. We briefly mentioned that in the last episode, but I cut it out because it was the only reason we mentioned Jimmy Carter was about the uh, the Chrysler bailout. Yeah. And uh, we had so much material, I had to cut something, and it really was just kind of boring. Yeah. But there was a Chrysler bailout that we cut. But Ronald Reagan's inauguration was January 21st, uh, and actually the practice of president presidents returning a salute from members from the military started with that inauguration oh, I didn't even know they did by that. Ronald Reagan. So yeah, when when uh, the a, military when salute. military salute the president always salutes back. Oh yeah, I you, do. You, you I do know that. Yeah, I do know that. Because there was all that controversy yes. that Obama didn't didn't salute somebody back and oh. Fox News was like he is a yeah. he's Satan okay, and he doesn't yes. support yeah. the troops and all that. Um, every other president has done that. Not true. It didn't start till Reagan. And so before that, so pres- it doesn't even matter. Before that, presidents didn't. They didn't do, do that, that back. Reagan started it. Oh, he just did it. Uh, he just did it on his own. At the inauguration, like, he did something. it, and yeah. Um, so. He probably didn't know where he was. Yeah, he did have some Alzheimer's. He was probably yeah. he probably was like, "Am I in the military now?" He probably thought he was in a movie. He yeah. was filming a movie. Yeah, which Trump thinks is on a reality show. It's, so it does the same thing. January twenty fifth, nineteen eighty one. Super Bowl. Oh God. Fifteen. Okay. Cost of the Super Bowl ad, nineteen eighty one. Oh, what was it last time? I'm gonna say two hundred and eighty thousand dollars. Oh, you're so close. What was it? Oh my God, I've never been more impressed by your guessing skills. What was it? What is it? Two hundred seventy five thousand. Whoa, I'm within five thousand dollars. You were within five thousand. That's pretty good. Yeah, if you were on prices right, they probably would have given it to you. They would have. They would have given me the the car and the trip. Too. And Bob Barker would have 
giving you conolingus. All right. We have to go there. <laughs> Bob really? Parker. Gross. Uh, price is wrong, bitch. Um, Super Bowl 15 was an American football game between the American football conference champion, All o- right. Oakland, no. the okay. Oakland Raiders. The Oakland Raiders. And the NFC champion, the Philadelphia Eagles, to decide the National Football League champion of the 1980 season. Yes. The Raiders defeated the Eagles by the score of 27 to 10, and the, the Eagles were heavily favored, but the Raiders okay. won, blew them out, kind of. Okay. Uh, be- and they became the first wild card playoff team to win a Super Bowl. Okay. Do you know what a wild card is? Yes. You do? Yes. How do you know what that is? Because I've heard you drone on and on about this football stuff when? for 20 years. Name 17 times I've mentioned. I could, oh, please. I love you. The game was played at the Louisiana Superdome in yes. New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes. You, ever, you ever heard of New Orleans? You ever been there? <laughs> I have. You haven't. I have not. So that Super Bowl was five days after the Iran hostage crisis ended. Yes. Do you remember the Iran yeah. hostage crisis? Yes. So the whole thing was Jimmy Carter spent the last, I don't know how many months or years of his presidency yeah. negotiating with Iran and yeah. how this hostage crisis. Yeah. And the... Iran made up their mind that they weren't going to release him until Jimmy Carter was out of office. Oh. So Reagan didn't do anything except be so inaugurated. He, yeah. So they let, like, you know, they. Then they let them all go. They let them all go because just to show that it was all Jimmy Carter's fault kind of thing. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, so. I bet those so, people were happy when Reagan won that election. They probably were. Oh, not that he, I don't think. Because yeah, Jimmy was, Carter would have stayed in office. Yeah, and they, they would have never got him out. But he, he said he, all he did was try to get them released. That's yeah. all he thought about. That's all he cared about. Like He didn't sleep at night. Yeah, he was just I'm like, sure. Um, uh, but uh, So this was right after they were released. Um, yeah, so five days later, it was the Super Bowl. The game was held under patriotic fervor. The pregame ceremonies honored the end of the crisis. A large yellow bow, 80 foot, feet long and 30 feet wide, was attached to the outside of the Superdome. Well, miniature bows were given to fans. That's nice. Um, Jim Plunkett was the MVP. Uh, okay. Helen O'Connell sang the national anthem. Do you know who that is? No. She was like a singer or actress, but she's from Toledo, Ohio. Oh, originally. There yeah, you so go. I was excited. Toledo's the greatest city on earth. Uh, Tony Pacos makes the greatest hot dogs. Okay. Hungarian hot dogs. Okay. Chips. Remember the show Chips? Yes. I used to love Eric Estrada. It was broadcast after the game, representing the Super Bowl lead-out program. So it was one of the first times they did, like, oh. okay, remember, stay tuned after the Super Bowl, watch Chips, special <laughs> Chips. And, you know, it was like, they li- oh led into Chips. Oh, my God, that show. Chips, yeah. I, um, you said you loved Eric Estrada? I did. I was, I, Ponch, I was in true love with you're him. You're a big fan of Ponch. By the time I was watching it, I want to say, though, it was on, like, after school time. It was on in the afternoon. It would have been reruns. Yeah, reruns of it. Yeah. So... We had action figures of John and Ponch. Did you? And we had the little, little helmets on. That that you know what that might be a good nice just quick segue into my surprise. John and Ponch. Okay, you have a surprise that just doesn't have a date to it. No, it doesn't have a date to it. It is. I looked up the popular toys of 1981. Okay. And I thought I would go over them, and we can cut it if it's stupid. But um, yeah, I do it. Okay, I want. so Star Wars action figures were. Some of the popular toys, and yep. I know you had. And we had a whole there was, bunch of them, and we opened them and played yeah, with them all. There was Luke Skywalker and an, as an X-Wing pilot, Yoda, Lando Calrissian, and Han Solo in the Hoth outfit. Remember that? I have a little story about the Han, Han Solo Oh, no. You can tell the story? Yeah, I'm going to tell the story now. Okay. Because I have to, because yeah. specifically the Hoth Han Solo. Yes. That he was wearing a blue jacket with a hood up. He was the one where he saves Luke in the, yeah. in the Tauntaun and everything, puts him in the Tauntaun's body. Yep. That was my favorite part of the movie, and that was my favorite character, and that was my favorite figure. And I carried that, and I think it's because I had a blue coat like that. Yeah. And I put, put the hood up. Yeah. So I carried that action figure with me everywhere when I was, this was 81, so. Yep. I was five, six, yeah. something like that. I carried it. I took it to bed with me. I took it to school. Yeah. Uh, preschool. Everything was always in my pocket. Yep. And I distinctly remember I was in the in the bathroom at my mom's house, and yes. she was brushing her hair, doing her makeup or whatever, and I was playing with the figure on the toilet on the toilet seat and he yep. was like oh I was having an action scene he was going to fall into the water and, and your mom is sitting there standing right next to you and she's letting you she's play in the watching. toilet and she's like brushing her hair and she's doing her hair like oh, she's yeah. not paying attention to me yeah. at all and I'm just like oh yeah oh. and he's like oh no I fell in the water and then my plan was flush the toilet and when it starts yeah. you know I've seen it flush it just swirls around a little mm-hmm. bit first and yeah. then it goes down so I figured I'll let him swirl oh, around a little bit and then God. he'll jump out and he'll oh I saved and yeah like, that's not how it really flushes. I guess not. That's why I flushed it. It goes straight down. He went straight down immediately. Like he was gone immediately. And I was like, 
And I saw him go. And, oh, my God. And I was just like, oh, my God. Han Solo, we got to get him. Where is he? Is he out in the sewer? Can we go out in the sewer? Oh, get my him? God. And my mom was like, no, honey, we don't. He's gone forever. Like, he's, yeah. we're never going to get him back. I was like, what are you talking Reed, about? Did you pull a Henry? I'm pretty sure I threw it. I remember just yeah. being heartbroken and just replaying it in my head over and over, and I'm never going to get him back Oh, again. my God. But I didn't get a new one or anything. It wasn't like on the sitcoms where they go get a replacement Which we, you know? to be honest, we would probably do too. We if, probably would. If it was this beloved thing that well, you play with all the time. Like action figure or something, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so another one was a Barbie perfume maker, which I sort of remember. Um, that doesn't seem safe. Were there were Clash of the Titans action figures. Remember Clash of the Titans? I don't. Really? You never saw Clash of the Titans? Mm -mm. Oh my god! It's like it's almost got that claymation kind of. I'm drawing a blank. I don't it, even think I know what it is. It Perseus and then Pegasus and Medusa comes out and she turns the guy to stone. It's a cartoon? No, it's a, it was a movie. It was a giant giant movie. I can't believe you never I, saw Clash of the Titans. No, I don't. I've never seen that. Let's watch the trailer. Oh my god! It's hysterical. Harry Harry Hamlin. Harry Hamlin Harry was Hamlin Perseus. Was a, and Lawrence Olivier. Yep. I don't remember ever even hearing of that happening being a thing. Oh yeah. We huh. have to watch it. It's pretty fun. Mm. I think Henry might even like it. It's real, but it's got like claymation creatures, oh, like I Medusa. See the picture, yeah. Medusa is like, like a claymation. No, I missed and, that completely. Being a thing. Oh my god, I, I can't believe that. Not even aware of it. Yeah, so that, many people are going to be mad. All the yeah, all they you, are. All you Generation Xers are going to be pissed. You're, like, you're not representing. Then this this next one, my cousin Eric had, and it was a Jaws game, and it was like this plastic Jaws head that was open, and you put all this crap in his oh, in his throat. Better. And you had to fish it out with a fishing hook before, before he, he snapped his yeah. jaws closed. And it scared me to death, that game. because I put, I put my dick in that one. Stop once. it. You did not. <laughs> um, let's see if there's any other fun. There's Crazy Clone Laboratory. where Oh, yeah, that's where you could clone humans? No, it, you, now your child can clone his own fingers with this molding toy. You mix green material with water, put your finger in the mold for a few minutes, then mix a second batch using flesh tone mix oh. and pour it into the original green mold. In a few minutes, remove the cloned finger with a soft, weird skin feel. Also make copies of toes and other objects. <laughs> okay, I, that's weird. <laughs> Why would you want to do that? I want a clone finger. Well, they have that silly putty you could because copy. This is pretty, newspaper. this is like a, a deet, like a ordeal to get through, though. Yeah, that's weird. All right. Um, Sounds dumb. There's a master caster where you can make your own Formula One cars, and it was melt. It was basically melted plastic. Boy, play with all these poison chemicals, I children. I know. There were Munchichi dolls. Remember munchy those? Munchichi, 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 Munchichi. Of course, My Pretty Pony. There was Sport and Shave Ken, and he was the first Ken with real, um, like, lifelike hair like it wasn't just plastic right it was like, yeah. right but it, it turned out awful he looked like a, you know that caveman movie what's that movie about a caveman that you mean saturday Night live when phil hartman's a caveman lawyer probably that will work <laughs> um but he Fire looks he, his hair is like sticking straight up. i don't understand your primitive but you could you could um put brown marker on his face and then he had a little razor that you could use to shave to his face off. off and then his hair was like a crazy afro there was a... I remember a girl next door had a munchichi, and you could put its thumb in its mouth. Yeah, that's right. Munchichi, munchichi. Okay. The the Empire Strikes Back laser rifle, and it was authentically styled with two electronic sounds. It was Han Solo's rifle, or his gun. His laser rifle? Yeah, I we had it. It made sounds. We had that. That's, that's, it was so cool. Um, strawberry Shortcake Steel Tricycle. I don't know why I put that one. Oh, uh, this one's... This is the last one. I used to love sniffing the girl's neighbors, the dolls. neighbor girl's stalls. Yep. Uh, there was a game, a board game called War of the Networks, <laughs> and it was you you're a Dan Rather. You're a wheeling, dealing TV executive trying to win the ratings war. Schedule programs, choose your stars, and try to make the most money. You want Howard Hessman on WKRP? Wouldn't it be funny to um, get a copy of that? Like a what's it called? War of the Networks. I bet you know there's a nerd board game guy somewhere listening with a big a, boner right now. Yeah, getting, yeah. I'll, I'll go get it out. That's the podcast. <laughs> But <laughs> but I just think that would be hysterical to see like what the stars like that game is going to be so Lonnie dated. Anderson yeah uh, it's going to be probably Cheryl who's, Ta who's the Cheryl on, Teagues who's the people on Dallas all those yeah uh, yeah Dynasty people yeah so That's anyway good. those are good I thought that would be fun to to see yeah that is you were bugging me to do that and I refused yep that's right that's good January thirty first Blondie took over the number one okay. spot with. A remake of a 1966 song. The tide is high. The tide is high. Yeah. Correct. Did you know that was a remake? I. Uh, it sounds like it. It sounds like one. Did you? Do you remember the video for this? Yeah, I kind of do. You do. Uh, uh, the music video. I, this is just the only thing I kept 
on here because it's yeah. interesting. The music video uh, depicts the band waiting out on the street for singer Debbie Harry, who appears to be trapped in a flooding apartment. All the while, she's being monitored from outer space by what appears to be a Darth Vader-like alien being. She this is so eighties. She yeah. soon she soon totally reunites. Is. She soon reunites with the band on the street, and they drive to a rocket launch and fly into space. Then they crash into the spaceship or space station. Harry confronts the alien being and begins dancing with him. Okay. That does not go with the time. No, I know. <laughs> it, I can't. I can't picture. I kind of picture the background or something, maybe. February seventh, Blondie gets overtaken by the number one song by Cool in the Gang, Celebration. Celebration. Even though it was from nineteen eighty, but yep. it hit the number one in nineteen eighty one. Um, so February seventh. That was the big when um, the um, Cardinals won the World Series sometime around this this era. And yeah. that was the big song in St. Louis, Celebration by the Cool and the Gang. Celebration. Well, they do say that Celebration came out that year, yeah. and it instantly became uh, super popular at stadiums. Yeah. Every team yeah. played it. Every stadium played that, was, that over oh, and okay. over. So and they still do a, yeah. to this day. They That's still true. play that every game you go to. Um, uh, but this is the this room still remains the band's only number one hit ever. Really? Cool and the Gang, yeah. They have some other good ones. I'm surprised... They they weren't never number one. Yeah, isn't that funny. They did Jungle Boogie and stuff. Jungle Boogie, February twenty first. Uh, cool and Gang gets overtaken by the number one song by Dolly Parton, Nine to Five. Oh, I love one. it. I just want Dolly, I want Dolly Parton come over here. And yeah, I, I know you do. I'm not a country music fan, but no. I love Dolly Parton. I know and she I, is. She's awesome. I think I love her more because gay guys love her. Like yeah, that's gay true. guys love Dolly Parton. Mm-hmm. Dolly, <laughs> if you go to Dollywood right now, it's just gay men everywhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> February 28th, Eddie Rabbit, I Love a Rainy Night, takes over the Billboard charts, number one. Mm -hmm. I Love a Rainy Night. March 1st, politics. Harvard Harvard professor Roger Fisher was known for a unique idea towards nuclear deterrence Mm -hmm. in a March 1981 paper. While discussing the importance on reaching a wise decision, especially in terms of nuclear arms, he suggested implanting the nuclear launch codes in a volunteer inside a person's body. If the President of the United States wanted to activate activate nuclear weapons, he would be required to kill the volunteer to retrieve the codes. Wow. And this is from his paper. My suggestion was quite simple. Put that needed code number in a little capsule and then implant that capsule right next to the heart of a volunteer. The volunteer would carry with him a big, heavy butcher knife as he accompanied the president. <laughs> if ever the president wanted to fire nuclear weapons, the only way he could do so would be for him first with his own hands to kill one human being. The president says, George, I'm sorry, but tens of millions must die. He has to look at someone and realize what death is, what an innocent death is. Blood on the White House carpet. Wow. It's reality brought home. When I suggested this to friends in the Pentagon, they said, my God, that's terrible. Having to kill someone would distort the president's judgment. He might never push the button. Oh, my God. Which is kind of the point. Yes, so, it is. Yeah, I, that's crazy, but it kind of makes sense. It like, does. It's a real person. But right. I used to always say. Who the fuck is going to volunteer to do that? I used to always <laughs> think that pe- senators should have their own children, be, should be required to be in the military. Yeah. Whenever there's a war, an active military, yep. if you're if your own first child, to go. yeah, yeah, yeah they'd be very a lot more careful, and they'd decisions. be a little bit more reluctant, maybe. Yeah. What if they don't have kids? They're forced to have forced kids. to have a child. Forced to have a child. Yep. Or their if they don't have kids and their wife has to go. Yeah, or they do. Or old they, man, some old man. No, their wife. Yeah. <laughs> or their neighbor. Their neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> or whoever, yeah, <laughs> whoever's walking down the street. Whoever you know. March twenty first. Mm-hmm. The new number one single on the Billboard charts is Ario Speedwagon. Keep on loving you. I, I want to keep on loving you. As it's the only thing I want to do. I don't, don't want to sleep. I just want to keep on loving you. Oh, I like Ario. Ario Speedwagon is great. Yeah. I downloaded that whole album and yeah. I was like, oh my God. They have like four songs that sound just like that with other words. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're still all great. That same But it's voice. one of those that's like, yeah, it's a good band, even though it's a kind of a joke. It's a go to. It is, yeah. But it's like. And they all sound the I mean, the guy sounds the same. Right. Them, but it's. But it's they make good music. Yeah. It yeah. is, yeah. I love Ario Speedwagon. Yeah, in fact, great. let's make this an Ario Speedwagon podcast. All right. That sounds good to me. Long. Sounds good to me. Next year, we'll do our Ario Speedwagon podcast. We'll okay. just. We'll call Only it, talk about that. Deep each, dive. Yeah. Each. Each episode will be like one line of the song. We'll talk about <laughs> so we'll just for an hour. Uh, we'll just keep singing that. March 28th, mm-hmm. Blondie takes over again with another song. Wait, wait, let me guess. Um, not Call Me? Nope. Um, 
Hold on, hold on. I don't on, know this on. one. I don't think you'd have to sing. You'll have to sing this for me. Okay. What is it? What? Rapture. Oh. Blondie Rapture. I don't remember it. March thirtieth. Politics again. Ronald Reagan called Code of the Secret Service the worst movie he ever made. The film inspired a man named Jerry Spar to join the Secret Service. So this guy watched it, Jerry Spar. Yeah. And in 1981, that guy who was inspired by Ronald Reagan's yeah. movie saved President Ronald Reagan from an assassination attempt. Oh, wow. On March 30th, 1981. The assassination, the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan happened on Monday, March 30th, 69 Sir, days. Was it Sirhan Sirhan? Or 69 days after he became president. Ronald Reagan was leaving after leaving a speaking engagement at the Washington Hilton Hotel in Washington, D.C. As Reagan left to enter his car, John Hinckley fired John his Hinkley. gun. Yeah, remember that? You said six days after his inauguration? Uh, 69 days. 69 days. 69. All right. You know what that is? Uh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. You're stupid. You're <laughs> stupid. Should we, should we explain to the you kids? Let's explain to the children. All what right. That is. Let's not. All right. What's next? I remember when I was in elementary school. Uh, people would write 69 and everywhere. You, you knew it was bit dirty, but you didn't know why. I had no idea what it was. Yeah, I, I just knew it was supposed to be cool. Dirty. I love that, like yeah. that number. And I was like, oh, 69. <laughs> yeah, you know. And I was like, yeah, huh? And I have no idea what Let's it was. Let's hope that's uh, our children. They don't know that it's cool, probably. April 10th, music. The Brixton Riots. Have you heard of this? No. You know what the Brixton Riots were? Nope. The Brixton Riots uh, is what the song Electric Avenue by yeah. Eddie Grant is based on. Okay. Is written about. Okay. I love that song. We're going to rock down to Electric Avenue, and then we'll take it higher. The song title refers to Electric Avenue in the South London district of Brixton, which was the first market street to be lit by electricity. The area is now known for its high population of Caribbean immigrants. Because of the song? No, I think it was then. That's when he wrote it. This was happening. There was a high population of Caribbean immigrants and high unemployment. At the beginning of the 1980s, tensions over unemployment, racism, and poverty culminated in the street events now known as the 1981 Brixton Riot. Grant, horrified and enraged, wrote and composed the song in response. A year afterward, the song was playing over the airwaves. Oh, Which I didn't ever know what that was really about. Right. I thought you meant that a bunch of Caribbean people moved there because of that liked song. that song so much that oh, they moved It's a great song. We should go to Electric <laughs> Avenue. No, I don't, I don't know think why so. that would, I would think that. April 11th, 1981, a new number one song, Daryl Hall and John Oates. Do you want to guess Rich the song? Girl? Nope. No, I don't know. Kiss on my list oh, because you kiss, you kiss that's a, is now on that's a my list band that's kind of shitty. Kiss is that's pretty shitty music. Hall and Oates are pretty shitty. Yeah, but they are. I still... You still what? I still, I guess, just because I know a lot of their songs. Well, you know yeah, I mean? like you we, know them, so you we just had play. limited. You know, like we were saying last time, we had limited. Yeah, I have ex- friends who's that. A lot of friends who that was their first mm-hmm. concert. Hall and Oates. Hall and they were to Oates. see Hall and Oates. Oh my god! It's like Hall and Oates sounds like they're great, but you watch their videos and they're they dressed. Oh, they were awful. Oates had a damn mustache. Yeah. Well, what are you gonna do? I had an Oates collage in college. We made a collage of just John Oates. <laughs> <laughs> love John Oates. Oh, yeah, we loved him. Well, the reason we did... In college. Yeah, well, we moved into a college house. In the house, there were old 80s teen magazines. Oh, like my God, stacks really? Stacks and stacks and stacks of them. I didn't know that. And uh, so we would we looked at them. They were hilarious because they were very yeah. nostalgic from the 80s to the you know, mid-90s. Right. And so we... Some, and there was, But it was so fun. We would laugh because it's like, here's Kirk Cameron and here's yeah. Corey Haim and then here's... John o- Hall and Oates. Yeah. Like, like right. there was all these pictures of Hall and Oates. Yeah, they like, were. doing stuff. And I was like, they weren't hearts. Those are old guys. Like, they were, the? I guess they were. But I... there's all these pictures of Oates. Like, there's Oates with a horse and Oates doing things. So we just, <laughs> took... we cut Daryl Hall out of all of them and just made an Oates collage. Or just <laughs> God. a whole big thing. And we hung it up on the walls. Just John Oates. A bunch of John Oates. You guys stuff. are crazy. It's great. Everybody should have a Oates collage. April 12th. On April 12th, 1981, there was a quadruple murder in Keddie, California, known as the Keddie Cabin 28 murders. You say Keddie. Keddie. K-E-D-D-I-E. California. Yes. This was something out of a horror film. The same night that WKRP in Cincinnati was on, in that episode on CBS, a preacher with with cleanup radio everywhere wants WKRP to stop playing specific songs due to the lyrics. Mr. Carlson thinks the station should cooperate while the rest of the gang says the songs are classics and shouldn't be subjected to censorship. Mm. This um, was uh, this woman, Sue Sharp, who was 36. So she was a mother of five. 
she had left her husband and moved to this little tiny mountain town in Calif- northeast um, California. Uh, they used to be a resort town, but now it was mm. um, kind of in disrepair. Northeast California? Mm-hmm, yeah. And so she had, her five kids were Johnny, Sheila, Tina, Rick, and Greg. And Those are totally yes, 80s names. Totally Say them again. Johnny, Sheila, Johnny. Tina, <laughs> Rick, and Greg. Rick and Greg. Rick and Greg. Before this night, Ketty was a pretty safe area. Okay. It was before this night. Yeah. It before this event. Okay. It was a. Um. It seemed like a safe area. The the night before April 11th. Oh, the night before on April 11th, actress Valerie Bertinelli married rock musician Eddie Van Halen on April 1981. Yeah. Um, Sheila stayed the night next door. So oh, Sheila, Sheila. Sheila's one of the daughters. Keep yeah, staying with the daughters, me. The third daughter. Second daughter. She's first daughter. A, she's older. She's the first she's daughter. She's an older one. She st- stayed the night next door with her girlfriend who's... Um, like girlfriend? No, no, no. Girlfriend? Like her, her friend. Friend who's a girl. Yeah. And, and, you um, know how old she is, Sheila, at the time? You think she's older? Like high school? she's like 13 or 14 or okay. something. And then her brother... And one of her brothers, her two brothers or whatever, had friends to spend the night. So her younger brother had a, a friend. At her house. So she at, was at, at her neighbor's house. She was at her neighbor's house. And then there were some boy, extra boys staying the night. At that same so house. So at, at, at Cabin 28, mm-hmm. it was Sue, the mom. So they live in cabins. They live in cabins. Oh. So Cabin 28 is where Sheila lives. Mm-hmm. And so she's not there. But the mom is there. And her son, Johnny, and his friend, Dana Wingate. And then in the back room are Rick and Greg and their friend Justin. All at their house. All at, at their Sheila's house. house. So at Sheila's, Sheila's house. not sleeping but over she's somebody not there. else. Sheila's not there, but the rest of them are home. And then they have two f- extra friends there. So they have people staying over, but Sheila's at her friend, her neighbor's. Next door, her yes. Neighbor. Okay. Yes. So Sheila goes home. A bunch home. of kids everywhere. Yeah. Sheila goes home the next morning. This is in April of 81. Yes. Okay, Sheila goes home. And the sleepover. she opens the door and there's... In the morning? Yeah. And there's three... She sees three bodies on the floor. So she goes back. Um, she panics. Like yeah, dead she body. goes. Like she knows, she dead. knows they're dead bodies. That everybody's tied with electrical cord, and there's a bloody hammer, and there's a knife, and it's what? crazy. That and is crazy. And so she goes back to the next door neighbors, and they call the police. Um, and she doesn't know. She couldn't tell. She said, "I don't know where my mom is." She couldn't tell one of them was her mom. That's how badly they were. <sighs> They were beaten and, and like and it she was, didn't like yell and look for anybody else. But there's no, three, she, she three just, bodies, but there's like seven or eight people that are in right. the, supposed to be in the house. Right. right, right. The neighbors call the police and the older son of the neighbors goes back over there and he finds their three, the three boys are in the back room and they in are. In addition to the three yeah, in the living room. The three younger boys yeah. are in the back room asleep. What? So, Yeah. They're alive. They're alive. So they open the window and they get them to climb out the window because they don't want them to go through and see this. So then Sheila's uncle shows up and that's Sue's brother, the mom's brother. Okay. He went to the scene and ID'd Sue and Johnny and Johnny's friend Dana. Let me ask you this. Does it just show up? No, he shows up with the police. He go, he goes shows up at the scene. The police go to the scene, and he he's the one that so goes in. The police in. contacted him, and everything was like, "Hey, yeah, no dead." Somebody or... contacted him, and okay. so then he he that's he's the one that IDs who they are. Okay, who so they he were. doesn't show up conspicuously. Like, no, oh, no, no. What happened? No, um, the victims were stabbed and beaten with two separate hammers, and there's only one hammer left at the scene. What? How do they know it's two separate hammers? Just from forensic, forensics, forensic yeah. evidence. Yes. So. Um, the house was was also the front room of the house was also completely turned upside down, um, oh. and so the police right away felt like they were dealing with more than one killer, like to control the scene with two grown boys and the mom. It would be really hard, and and with the level of destruction, it would be really hard for one person to do that. Right. So then, um, so R- Where, where's Ricky the, where's Gregan, the dad? She had, Sue had left the dad. He was abusive and stuff. Oh, she left him mm-hmm. years and, before. Yeah, and went and moved to Ketty. So she was single. Yeah, a she was single a single mom. mom. With all those a kids. single mom. Five kids. Yeah. Rick and Ricky. And Greg. Ricky, Greg, and Justin were the boys in the back, and they Justin they lived through the attack. They 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 slept through it. They all. slept through it apparently. So Justin children do sleep the through friend. lots. Justin is the friend of the yeah. um uh, that slept there, and he starts t- trying to tell police that Tina's missing. Tina's missing. That's a younger girl. Finally, they listen to him. 
and they do an exhaustive search for Tina of all the roads. They call the FBI. They're trying to figure out who the target of this attack was, was and was Tina the target? Maybe the kidnappers came in to kidnap Tina, and things got crazy. Uh, one of the suspects they looked at was the ex-husband. Yeah, of course. I was um, thinking, uh, where's that guy? That's what he, I'm he had sexually abused the daughters, <sighs> and they did a background. So they did a background check on him. They surveilled him. Remember I said no more I know. Pedophilia? They questioned him, and he, but he has an alibi, and he was nowhere near Keddie at the time. Okay. So he was kind of out. Can they just, then they once s- they find out that he was doing that, can't they just kill him? Yeah, really. Um, Cut his fucking balls off and his they, dick. They start to look at Sue's life, so, and they eliminate her exes and her boyfriends and things, and there were rumors of her being in drugs and prostitution, but Sheila, what? the daughter that survived oh, to this she... day, she ta- she was interviewed. She talks about it, and she denies that. that her mom was and there was no stuff. drugs found in the house or in and her even system. If, even if she is... Yeah, I know. They think that just, well, I guess well, they're trying to figure out. Her, yeah. They're trying to figure out what's going on. What's the motivation? Um, there was one suspect. Another suspect was Tina's teacher. He had a really weird obsession with Tina, and his name was Joe Lipsy, and he he had her picture on his desk and in his house, uh, which is kind of weird. Um, just one kid. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. He did it, but and he was and he was also at, at the Keddy. He was seen at the Keddy bar the night of the killings. Um, and he he moved away and was later arrested for molesting a young girl. God, but like Joe Lipsy's a he has an al- he had an alibi, I guess. So they eliminate him. The evidence also the police think it suggests that the person involved knew the victims, because there was no sign of forced entry, right. and um, like maybe something. The other thing was that I mean, to Johnny destroy that living room so badly. I know kill three people and the the, the disc- like there was. It, they, it also looked like they were throwing knives at the wall, like there was knife How could marks the in the wall. Sleep through all that? Right, I know. Or did they do it sleepwalking? So, so they decided to talk to the boys. So yeah, both the sleepwalking. Sh- both the sharp boys say they well, they're real littler. They're a lot littler. Both sharp boys say they slept and heard nothing. And then Justin, the friend, he says he had a strange dream, and he says <sighs> in he his dream. People. He says in his dream he saw the love boat. He was on the love boat, which I guess is what they were watching before they went to bed. The love and, boat. Um, he, soon we'll be making another sh- run. So I, sorry, you have to sing that. No, I'm not doing it. So um, <laughs> not doing investigators that. decide to hypnotize Justin. Oh, because that's your next next natural. That's because and that's the '80s for it's you. The '80s. You just well, I guess hypnotizing. Yeah, I think hypnotizing. I think that was a big thing in the '80s, probably, probably much was. more than now. So he um. He describes two men that stabbed Sue, Johnny, and Dana. And the dream, he describes, mimics the murders. Like, oh. um, he describes the hammer and the knife, and he sc- talks about what? how Sue was stabbed in the chest. So the police um, get him to describe two men that, that, were, that were the attackers. One has short hair and one while, has long hair. While he's hair. hypnotized. Yeah, and, the t- and they get a sketch of each of these. Based on his hypnotized self yes. of a kid. But, it, like, he knew stuff. And he also knew Tina was missing one of the sketches mm-hmm. looks a lot like Marty Smart, who is Justin's stepdad. Oh, no. Um, and they live in a, adjacent to Cabin 28. Martin Smart? Marty Smart. Marty Smart. Marty was a Vietnam vet who had PTSD, mm. known to be violent and had an explosive temper, and oh. he abused Justin and the mom. Oh. He had gone to a VA hospital for mental to the mental health unit yeah. and met a guy named Joe John Bobaday who um John was called Bo. They called him Bo. Hey John Bobaday. And Can he we brought Bo? he brought Bo back to Keddie where Bo stayed on the couch. So this kid this guy Bo, Bo. is there. Bo was a thief and ex con and a hit man, it was rumored. And he was sleeping on the couch of Justin's yes, house. Yes. Bobaday. Yes. Bobaday. And ju- uh, Justin's mom, Marilyn, was interviewed and she said that Bo that night had asked Sue Sharp out. They were going to go up to the bar. Sue Sharp is a single mom. The, yeah. Who was dead. He, he, yeah. And he, Boba Day. I just like he, saying Boba He asked Day. her to go with them, and she said no. And that later at the bar, he said he felt like killing someone. That's what... And that's he was what, rejected by her. Yeah. He felt rejected. But she yeah. had all those damn kids in the house. You can't go to a bar. I got right. nine kids here staying over. So the sheriff Boba bring Day. Marty and Bo in for questioning... But, um, Marty and Bobaday. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just like saying and, Bobaday. And you know, Bo tells all these lies. Um, he says he used to be a cop. He says all of this crazy He's stuff that that are guy. real obviously lies. He says his alibi is that he was with Marty the whole time. Marty says. Then Marty says something weird. He kind of slips up, and he says Justin could have been at the scene of the crime without me detecting him. 
Uh, yeah, that's a slip up. Yeah, basically so said you were there. Then he also says, "Oh, he, I heard a hammer was used. It's weird. Um, I have a hammer that went missing." And he describes it. Right. One of the, of the things with this one is the police. There's something going on. Like they they do a horrible job they're investigating this. They're friends with Boba Day. Right. Or they because they let them go. They never re-interview them. And the sheriff was friends with Marty. And there and there was rumors that Bo was a police informant. Um, Boba Day. So then all of a sudden Justin stops talking to the cops. And the you, kid? Yeah. The little be, kid? Well, the dad probably went back he home. He probably threatened the shit out yeah, of him. Yeah, right. Yo, me and Boba Day will fuck up your and life. And so there was evidence purposely left out. And then Bo and Marty move away and police never search for the missing what? hammer. Move away? Yeah, they move away. To where? After they were questioned. Uh, so the case goes cold. Cold case file? Cold case file. Then it was three years to the day of the murder. There's a, um, a cranium that's found in the hills of Buke County. And a, wait, a what? A cranium, a skull. A, a human cranium yes. found where? In the hills of Buke County, which is like 50 miles in out California? of California. Mm-hmm. They thought it was Indian, ancient Indian burial, I guess, or something. Yeah, I don't know. I guess you would. That's and what I would go with. There's it's this anonymous caller that calls the police and says it's Tina Sharp. So, Anonymous caller called the police. Yep, and said that, that was, that's Tina Sharp that that's they found. That's Tina Sharp's cranium. That's her body they found, because they found the rest of the body, too. Oh, they did. But yeah. Then why did you say cranium? Um, because that was the because I copied and pasted that part. <laughs> <laughs> this kind is of. a very, um, very listen, scientific. Listen, listen, people. So, this is why you need to support us on Patreon. Because that's right. We can't. We have to half-ass the research when we have full-time jobs. That's right. You know, just pay us to do this pay, only. Pay us to just do this. It'll be a lot if, better quality, and it'll be better quality. We'll have more time to do research. We can quit our other jobs, That's right. and we can just lay around in our underpants and yes. do research. So anyway, this anonymous caller calls and says, "That's Tina Sharp." I think the anonymous, the anonymous caller is definitely Boba Day. And the and the forensics confirm that it is Tina. So they did. They did DNA. They did. Or, they, did well, that. they didn't have DNA, but somehow they figured it out dental, probably dental. Uh, they always do that That's dental record. Dental back in the eighties, but the remains were just bones, so they couldn't figure out. Well, because this was eighty four, right? So they yeah. couldn't figure out how she died. They couldn't anything. figure out anything. The call to the police, that anonymous call, was recorded, but the tape was lost and it was not investigated. You know, just another thing that happened. Tape was lost. Yep. Cassette tape. So Bo dies in nineteen ninety eight. Oh man, I was hoping to get in touch with Bo Bidet. And Marty dies in two thousand. Oh, they're both dead. So, 2010 rolls around. New sheriff in town. So the n- There's a new yep. girl in town. So, when the new sheriff comes, he yeah. reopens the case. He says, we need to look again at Wait, this. When you say new sheriff in town, did you know that when Dennis Green became the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, he's mm-hmm. like, there's a new sheriff in town. And he, he like fired a bunch of players. Okay. Anyway. The police um, reopen the case, and they find all this evidence that's very interesting. They find um, an interview with a therapist, Marty's therapist. Not the rapist. No, not the rapist. Marty's therapist who says that Marty confessed to the murders under when he was in therapy. Um, they also find the tape of the anonymous caller. What? It's just sitting in a file it's in somewhere? A, way back in a box somewhere, yeah. And they send that to the FBI for analysis, and it's still right now it being awaiting. Right now in 2018? Mm-hmm. Yep. 2018? Yep. You're still looking at this shit? Yep. They're still waiting. Are all the kids, like, they're all grown up now? They're all, like, Probably, in their 50s? Yeah, they are. They're older. They also find a letter postmarked 16 days after the killings from Marty to Marilyn. And it said in the letter, he, it said, quote, I've bought your love with the lives of four people. So they took the yeah. they took this the stamp the off of the the envelope, yeah, and they sent that to the FBI. Stamp for the licking, the licking. Yep. Yeah, they can do they, the they DNA. They got Marty's the DNA. What? And then in 2016, yeah. a junk collector finds a hammer in the lake around Ketty, and it looks exactly like the one Marty described as lost. Oh man! So they sent the hammer to the FBI for wouldn't, testing wouldn't as well. Wouldn't any hammer look like the hammer? It looks like a hammer. I don't yeah, know. A, Maybe what, they what can get some It's of a it. hammer. Maybe they can, if they can get blood. If they can get blood off of it, and no, if I'm they just can saying. Get, um, if he says, "Oh, that looks like the hammer they described," like 
how do you describe a hammer? It's a hammer. Well, maybe it has a red handle or something. Oh, I don't know. A red-handled hammer. I don't know. Maybe that's what it yeah, is. I think you're onto something with a red-handed ha- hammer, like the red Red handle hammer. That is that's the cool. story of Cabin 28, so Caddy, the Caddy yeah. murders. They're, wow. they're, it might someday still be solved. And we're only in April, so we got the whole yes, rest of the right. year of my bullshit to talk about. Okay. This is like the first episode where it's like the beginning is your stupid crap. Yeah, I know. Your murder shit where people have to be grossed out and cry, except those those that love blood and murder. Right. There's they those all have of boners. Us that those, have boners. Those People all have boners, and their boners. Those of us that have boners right now. Yeah, and those people who have boners right now are going to get their boners ruined by (laughs) a sports thing. April eighteenth. Yep, boners ruined. No, I really think this might be a sports thing that you think is kind of cool. Maybe. I mean, it's a it's a record. Long shot. The Pawtucket Red Sox and the Rochester Red Wings, two teams from the AAA International League, so the minor league baseball. They played the longest game in professional baseball history. Really. It lasted 33 innings. Oh, kill me. Can you imagine? Like, you can't oh, stand nine innings. Oh, my God. Eight hours and 25 minutes of playing time. Oh, my Can you imagine God. Eight Give hours? up. <laughs> Can somebody forfeit after a certain amount of time? 32 innings were played on April 18th and 19th, 1981, at McCoy Stadium okay. in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. So they broke it up, at least. I was well, thinking it would be one session. Those were the first. It was two days worth of yeah. the first... 32 innings oh my god yeah and the final 33rd inning was played a month later uh a month two, later two months later june 20 they two stopped they finally stopped the game yeah because it'd been it was like four in the morning oh my god four o'clock a.m so they so they they and then they said we're just gonna resume this later on and so june 23rd they played the last inning oh paul tuckett ended up winning the game three to two so this game holds the record these are the records most innings 33 mm. innings okay Total time for one game, eight hours and 25 minutes. Most put-outs put by one team in one game, 99, which means you get somebody out. Most total put-outs in one game, 195. Most at-bats for one team in one game, 114, Pawtucket. Most total at-bats in one game, 219. Now, at-bats. I don't know. It, all of this now? When you say at-bat, it's a guy, a guy, every time a guy's at-bat, yeah. that's an at-bat. I'm just saying so, that's getting boring. But, two, but think about a game where 219 people bat. Like God, I would die. Bat. I would kill myself. I would light my eyes on fire. They kept going and going. So the game started like 7 o'clock at night. It was like mm-hmm. a night game. So it went till 4 o'clock a.m. Mm-hmm. And there was like nobody left. Wade Boggs was part of the game. He was a, a, a Hall of Famer. So it was Cal Ripken Jr., two Hall of Fame players. But Wade Boggs, at one point, he got somebody out. And he thought everybody was pissed. And everybody was like, oh, God damn, we got to stay yeah, here. No. There was like 13 people left in the, at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I said, okay, we got to stop. Yeah. Uh, there was only like a few people left in the stadium. They all those people got like one like they gave them like season tickets. Oh like, for, yeah, for you would hope so. Uh, for staying there that long, there's a commissioner of the minor mm. leagues that you have to get a hold of. Uh, the umpire, the umpire didn't know he could call. He was allowed to just call the game. It's oh. okay. It's been too late. It's been too many. Oh god. He he didn't. There's a part in the rule book that says after a certain amount of yeah, time, the, um... it's after like midnight or something is the deadline okay. or whatever. You're supposed to just stop. Yeah. He didn't know that. It was it. Oh my that god! Page was so ripped down his four in the morning. Was, yeah, so he just kept going. Oh my god! Finally, somebody called the commissioner at mm-hmm. four o'clock in the morning and was like, "What? What's going? on? We're still playing. What are you doing? Oh no, yeah, stop playing immediately! Yeah, no kidding. And everybody's exhausted until the players are all tired and all. <laughs> it's just it was ridiculous. Just a stupid thing that happened, all because some idiot didn't know. May second, nineteen eighty one, mm-hmm. the Kentucky Derby winner. Mm-hmm. Pleasant <laughs> Colony. Okay. You didn't even want to guess. No. I didn't even make you guess. I didn't even try. I know, you didn't. Um, also, May 2nd, same time Pleasant Colony won the Kentucky Derby, there was a new number one song by Sheena Easton. Oh, God. For for your eyes only. No? No. Oh, I can't. That's the only one I can I'll tell you, of. I downloaded Sheena Easton's 1981 album. Yeah. That's all terrible music. Yeah, it is. It Why would you like download it? I just wanted to see what... I only know Sheena Easton from that song she did with Prince. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's the song? Morning Train. Oh, yeah. Nine to five? Yeah. You know how that goes? Oh, it's... Yes, I do. It's... I'm taking the morning train. Nine to five. No, that's not... I, just made I was going to say, that no, it doesn't sound made, like it. I made that up completely. Oh, I know it. My baby takes the morning train. He works from nine to five. And he takes another worm again. To find me waiting for him. I like to take some shits and bags. I remember a lot of it now. He takes me to Red Lobster and we just eat the bread and leave. That'd be a good song. Yeah. 
because I go to Red Lobster for anything else, but that's cheddar biscuits. Mm. Also, on May 2nd, 1981, Killer Khan breaks Andre the Giant's left ankle by diving onto him off the top rope in Rochester, New York. Whoa. It'd be hard to break There's Andre the Giant's yeah, he's ankle. he's a big, giant dude. Yeah. He's a big, fat guy. Yeah. There's a, do you know Andre the Giant um, when he would go to Japan? A lot of wrestling is huge in Japan. Yeah, they would I remember you showing me pictures from it. You had a book about him or yeah, something. Yeah, it was, yeah he was, he was unbelievably like the, big. But in Japan, he couldn't get into the bathroom. Like, yeah. A lot of places. He told me this. Story. A lot of toilets he couldn't fit on or yeah. bathroom. So. And, and so he would, a lot of times he couldn't fit on the toilet, so he'd just shit in the tub. Yeah, that's so gross. Like, he would just shit in the tub yep. in places because he couldn't get on the toilet. That is so disgusting. In Japan, he couldn't even, even get, get in the into the bathroom. How, he, what did he do? Was, he couldn't. He shat on the bed. <laughs> he put. Oh news, my god! He rolled newspaper out on the bed and took a shit on the bed. Oh my god! I bet the shit is like the horse shit. <laughs> oh, it's like a giant shit. Yeah. Like I'm just picturing a giant, like, like a huge cow like, pie, like as big as my leg. My whole oh, leg gross. is his, is one of his turds. That's just a pile so of his gross. turds. He's so gross. Yeah, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. Who pooped the bed? Andre the Giant pooped the bed. Yep. And then he laughed about it. May 14th, the Celtics beat the Rockets four games to two to win the NBA Finals. Okay. You don't care? Nope. May 16th, our new number one song, Kim Carnes. Oh, God, what did she say? Oh, did she? She's got Betty Davis. You got Betty Davis. That's right. That's right. That's right. How else does that song go? You know what I mean? Turn the music I on. I need you. you. Roll your I like you dice you. till you come out blue. She's got Betty, Betty Davis. I need you. Yeah, she'll cheese you. She'll cheese you. you. Better just to please you. She'll eat cheeses with you. She's precocious. June 12th, Raiders of the Lost Ark came yeah, out. Yeah, that's a good one. Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson. Did you say uh, Steven Spielberg? Steven Spielberg. Okay. I probably did. Yeah. Steven Spielberg and Melissa Matheson wrote a script during shooting breaks on, mm-hmm. on Raiders of the Lost Ark together. Okay. Uh, Matheson was there to visit her husband, Harrison Ford. Oh. And Spielberg dictated to her a story idea he had. That script was eventually called... Um... E.T., the extraterrestrial. Oh, that's good. They wrote that on the set of Raiders of the Lost Jeez, Ark. Jeez, workaholics. Cool. Yeah. Take a break. And uh, Indiana Jones, you know, yeah. from that, he was originally called Indiana Smith. Oh, that's terrible. And his, cha- his name was changed to Jones on the first day of production. Okay. Other actors considered... That, been, that doesn't even... Indiana Smith. That would be so stupid. It Indiana Smith and the Temple of Doom, that'd be so dumb. Yep. God, anybody named Smith no, is a piece of no, shit. No. Don't listen to our podcast. That's a lot of people. <laughs> I hate people named Smith and left-handed fucks. Uh, actors, could, oh, you know Joe Christian, yeah. I found out, is left-handed. And he's oh. a listener. He's a listener. Oh, he is? He's regular? Yeah. Hey, Joe Christian. So Joe Christian, uh, you left-handed piece of shit. Stop listening. Yep. You're not welcome That's to right. listen because you're left. And he actually told me, you're going to love this, he told me, if you cut out the wrestling, it'll be the best co- podcast ever. Ha, love it. Yep. Proven. And you love Joe Christian. And he's a left-handed prick. He doesn't know how to... We figured out. He can't fly kites. <laughs> Jeez. How's he going to fly a kite? He can't use towels. Because he's left-handed. Left-handed. Um, other actors considered for the role of Indiana Jones included Nick Nolte. Yep. Steve Martin, mm-hmm. who chose to do Pennies from Heaven instead. Bill Murray. Who, I cannot picture Steve Martin as Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Not at all. He'd be running all goofy. I know, yeah. <laughs> Bill Murray, who dropped out due to scheduling conflicts with Saturday Night Live. Chevy Chase. Oh, would it would have been, have been terrible with Chevy Chase. Jack Nicholson, Tom Selleck. Oh, those would be awful. Harrison Ford was cast less than three weeks before principal photography began. Have you seen all the, all yeah, the I, Indiana No, I've seen, I saw the first one, obviously. I think I've seen like the, f- the first, first three, two or three. Two or three. Uh, yeah. How many were there? I, I think there's like five. There I think is? There's one with his dad and there's one with a kid or something. Yeah. Because like, uh, what's his name? Plays his dad. Are you um, sure there's five? I'm I not. think there was only three. I think there's uh, there's at least four. There is? Because there's the three. This is going to be a corrections and apologies, probably. There's at least four. Because uh, what's his name? Plays his dad. The guy was not a fan of the ladies. Are you Trebek? Yeah, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. He's his, plays his dad in yeah. at least two of them. Okay. I know he wasn't the first two. All right. Anyway. So anyway. And then he's got a kid. There's like a new one. It's an Indiana Jones oh. Jr. or something. Oh, no. I think there's five. June 19th, mm-hmm. Superman 2 came out. I liked that one. Was that the one where they, uh, they're on the record album spinning out in space? Probably. I think they so. They were all weird. I remember them being real weird. I didn't really understand what was happening, but um, anti-smoking campaigners opposed the film as the largest sponsor was the cigarette brand Marlboro, who paid $43,000, approximately. Wow. 20, uh, who smokes Marlboro's in it? The largest sponsor was the cigarette brand Marlboro, who paid $43,000 for the brand to be shown 
22 times in the film. Lois Lane was shown as a chain smoker in the film. Although she Is never she, really? she never smoked in the comic book version. But Margot Kidder probably loved seeing, yeah, she probably smoking did. 100 million she cigarettes. Did, yeah. And you think about it now, imagine if you saw anybody in a superhero movie smoking cigarettes. Like, I know. Like, what the? Mm-hmm. So that'd be funny to watch. But every person in the world smoked yep, back then. They did. July 8th. The Go-Go's were the first and to date only mm-hmm. all-female band that wrote their own songs, played their own instruments to have an album reach number one in the Billboard 200 Albums chart with their 1981 debut album. Beauty and the Beat. Beauty and the Beat, yes. Yes, I had it. You did? Yes, I love the Go-Go's. We, is that, that, we Got the Beat mm-hmm. on it? Oh, we yeah. Got the Beat. And Everybody. Our Lips Are Sealed. That's a good song. Yeah. We Got the Beat is still a good song. Yeah, right? I will, again, I will take off my shirt and my Prius. I will yes, scream. And it's ridiculous. And everyone around me, listen to this. July 9th, Mario debuted as Jumpman. His name wasn't Mario. Jumpman? His name was Jumpman. That's, that's snappy. In the arcade game Donkey Kong on July 9th, oh, yeah, yeah. 1981. Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong from 1981 arcade game. Oh. And that the current modern Donkey Kong was meant to be his son, Donkey Kong Jr. I wonder why they called it Donkey Kong. I don't know. I always wondered that. It's, it's a, weird. It's a gorilla. It's not a donkey. Yeah, I know. Why is that his name? I don't, I don't understand. We never questioned it. Nope. We never. just played the game. Yep. And it was fucking hard. It was hard. I could not. Uh, maybe one Jump level. over those stupid barrels. You just can't time that shit. No, right? I know. And, and who's got the patience? That's yeah, the thing. You've got to have patience yes. and nothing else to do. Yep. And it'll be a big fucking loser who's never going to get laid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> July 17th, Arthur. The movie Arthur came out. Yeah, I remember that. At one point during the production, Liza Minnelli is supposed to board a bus in front of Berghoff's on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. When a real bus came along and she boarded it, thinking it was, it was, the, mo- the, fake it was bus? the movie bus. Oh, my God. Not until she was halfway down the block did she realize her blunder when she looked back and saw the whole crew cracking up. Oh, God. Isn't that funny? Yeah. July 25th, a new number one single? Yes. Air Supply. Mm. The one that you love? No, I don't know. You know how that goes? The one that you love? No. You know any Air Supply songs? Yes, I, I can't terrible. think. They are, and I can't think of the, the one... I do know an air supply song, but I can't think of it right now. I tried to listen to one, and I turned it off immediately. That's right. The one that you love, asking for another chance. I know it now. This is the worst video I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I want I want Beavis and Butthead to watch that. <laughs> yes. That sucks. That sucks. That would be great. Um, that was a terrible air supply. Was awful. Yes. In fact. Anyone who likes air supply, All right, no. stop listening to the podcast. No. You are no longer allowed. If no. you like, not only that, if you like air supply, if you yeah. own any air supply songs, immediately. I bet Brendan Kane owns an air supply. Oh, I'm sure he does. And he probably listens to it daily. He probably does. And you know what, Brendan Kane? You're not welcome to listen to the podcast. Stop. Punch, anybody who likes air supply, punch yourself in the balls yeah. until you stop liking air supply. <laughs> July 29th. The wedding of Charles, Prince of Wales, and Lady Diana Spencer oh, yes. took place on Wednesday, the 29th of July, 1981. July 31st of 1981, mm-hmm. um, during a television taping of AWA's All-Star Wrestling that would air in August, Hulk Hogan, who I told you last time was a bad guy. He started out as a bad guy, yeah. and he had all that charisma, and I mentioned that the baby faces were just boring guys, but the bad guys had all the things. Mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan turned face. What's that mean? That means he turned to a good guy. He became a baby face. Oh, okay. He ran in to stop the villainous Crusher Blackwell from beating down Brad Rangins. And by the end of 1981, he was easily the AWA's most popular wrestler and would begin challenging Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA World Heavyweight Championship. Oh, right. August 1st. MTV began on August 1st, 1981. Woo! The first video... Was it Video Kill the Radio Video Star? Kill the Radio Star by the Buggles? Yep. The second video. Oh, gosh. You know what that is? No. I only ever knew the first one. Yeah, and everybody always knows that one. But the second one was Pat Benatar's You Better Run. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. August 1st, 1981, we have a new number one song after MTV debuts. What is it? Rick Springfield. Jesse's Girl. Jesse was a friend. Jesse's Girl. Rick Springfield was taking a stained glass class along with his friend Gary and Gary's girlfriend. He, oh. he initially wanted to use the actual name of the friend he was thinking about. I wish I had Gary's I wish I had girl. Gary's girl, but Gary is such a stupid fucking name. Yes, it is. That anybody named Gary should now, not be listening to this podcast. Uh, just kidding. August 3rd, there was an air traffic controller strike. Okay. 
and uh, Ronald Reagan fired 11,345 striking aircraft, air traffic controllers. Whoa. August 15th, there's a new number one song, Diana Ross and Lionel Richie. Uh, uh, um, 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 My um. endless love. love. Yeah. September 12th, 1981, the Smurfs debuted. Oh, I used to love that. And they too. ran until 1989. Wow, that's a long run. And did you know that the Smurfs were actually based on a Belgian comic franchise? No. Centered on a fictional colony of small, blue, human-like creatures who live in mushroom-shaped houses in the forest in 1959. Oh, Wow. I wonder if they look. 1958. I wonder if they look similar. The Smurfs were first created and introduced a series of comic characters by Belgian comic comics artist Peyo, mm-hmm. the pen name of Pierre Culliford, in 1958, where they were known as Les Strumpfs. <laughs> Les Strumpfs. That's S C H T R O U M P F S. Wow. Les Strumpfs. And if you Google that, you see old ass drawings of Smurfs. Do they look like it though? Yeah, they look kind of like them. They but do. Like you can tell. Yeah, they're old. They're yeah, old looking. Right. Yeah, so that's I, that cool. blew me away. I had yeah. no idea the Smurfs were any older than the eighties. Yeah, and they had a they had a there's also other female ones than just Smurfette back then. I guess. Oh, okay. Yep. So that's, there you go. Because that was always weird. Yeah. Smurfette was the only girl in the entire village. Well, you remember when they created her? They made her out of like potions or something. Yeah. Like, they had to mix all the stuff to create a woman. It's so bizarre. For them all to bang. Yeah, I know. Gross. Yeah. I mean, they didn't show her. No, I banged. know. Not unless you go to the dark web. October 9th. Being being the opening act for one of the biggest bands in the world can never be an easy gig, but Prince had a particularly rough encounter with Rolling Stones fans in October of oh, 1981. Oh, really? Now, Prince was new on the scene at this time. Yes, he was. On a bill that also featured George Thorogood and the Jay Giles Band, as well as oh the, the Stones as the headliners, Prince was not only the least recognizable artist on the stage of the L.A. Coliseum, he was he was the only black, funky, and ultra glamorous one. Yeah. When he appeared in a trench coat and black bikini briefs, oh my god! The intolerant crowd began hurling homophobic slurs and pelting Aww. him with food and bottles. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can't believe it. Back then, I mean, I mean, was, I can believe it, but at the yeah. same time, it was Prince. Yeah, he's like the greatest yeah. singer of yeah. all time, pretty much, like the greatest songwriter ever. Clearly, forgetting that. Mick Jagger himself was once known for androgynous antics. Distraught, Prince wanted to ditch the second opening date, but he was talked back into it. A replay of the night before ensued. Prince didn't let this public misunderstanding or any other slow him down in his quest for for pop domination. Yes. As he was quoted as saying in a 2006 Guardian article, the only person who knows anything about music is me. Nice. Boom. Yep. Prince don't give a fuck. No, he doesn't. He don't give a fuck. October 17, 1981, Christopher Cross, Arthur's Theme. Ugh. Oh, God. How awful. can you get from the moon in New York City? City. That's our I know thing. it's crazy, <laughs> but it's true. Oh, it's awful. That sucks. Yes, it is. October 23rd, yeah. George Thurgood and the Delaware Destroyers mm-hmm. went on their 50-50 tour. Okay. Where they played in all 50 states in just 50 days in 1981. Whoa. George Thur- uh that's a hard Beginning work. October 23rd in Honolulu, Hawaii, they played 50 consecutive shows in all 50 U.S. Oh states, ending December 11th at Pasadena, California. That's awful. I would never want to do that. I saw George Thorogood at a concert with, with your dad. That's and right. It was the loudest fucking concert really? I've ever heard in my life. I found out later that the uh, they brought their own sound equipment. Oh. And it was an indoor show at a theater. Yeah, and they, and they brought, played it like a rock stadium. They brought stadium sound speakers. Oh, my God. It was a lot. I couldn't. My brain hurt. It was so loud. Oh, my God. We were in the back, but he fucking still rocked. Was my dad rocking? Yeah, I think he seemed to like it. I think he, he thought it was too loud, too. Yeah. Old George is old as really? fuck, but he's, he's still, still rocking it out. That's it hysterical. Out. Makes all the kind of crazy, gross faces and stuff. Yeah. He's kind of out of it, but it was good. Yeah. October 23rd, 1981's Frogger has the most ways to die in any arcade game. Oh, really? The frog may be killed in nine different ways as he crosses streets and rivers on his way home, including alligators, cars, snakes, and water. I and never played that. So the a frogger was great. Andy really? was great. He loved it. And there was uh, the the song went. And I only say that because one time, 
my childhood best friend, Steve Bishop, who now wears a kilt and is covered in tattoos and has a Prince Albert. Yeah. He one time, no joke, we have three witnesses to this, he farted that song. He farted the theme song. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He farted the whole thing. October 28th, 1981, the Dodgers beat the Yankees four games to two in a shortened strike season. Mm. Several players of the Dodgers recorded a cover version of the Queen's We Are the Champions. Uh, and the quartet performed the song on an episode of Solid Gold, the syndicated yes. TV show. Remember that show? Oh, I, Marilyn McCoo. He loved that. Uh, Rick Dees. Yeah, I loved Solid Gold. Katie and I would pretend to be Solid Gold dancers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> those Solid Gold dancers. Yes. They were hot. They were, I will say they, they were, were hot. Those leotards, those metallic leotards. You guys loved Olivia Newton-John and Solid yes. Gold. Yes, oh, we did. We were all about it. You guys were white. Yes. Uh, November 7th, 1981, mm-hmm. Daryl Hall and John Oates took over the number one chart with their their hit single, their second hit single of the year, mm-hmm. hitting number one, Private Eyes, They're, they're watching, watching You. It's a stupid and song. Every move. That was terrible, too, but I still love it. I still listen to it mm-hmm. in my car really loud. Oh, God. Teach the millennials a thing or two. <laughs> November 21st, Olivia Newton-John's Let's Get Physical. Yes, Physical. I had that album. It hit number one. Yeah, you talked at length about that physical. album last time. No, I, talk, I talked about Xanadu last time. This is Physical. It's a whole different album. Oh, it's a whole other album? Yes. She had, Xanadu was a movie. And she had an album And she had soundtrack. an album based on the movie. So on Physical this, was a whole new album. So on Physical... There's a song where she sings about dolphins. Yes. And it's got dolphins singing Dolphin with her. songs, yes. It's like dolphins, yes. her dolphin song. Yeah, I don't know. That may be the dumbest song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it's I a thought it was of, good when I was that age because I had the whole album. Like, it's... it's. How did you hear it? I, I told you, I downloaded, like, the, I looked at some list of the top ten... And you downloaded phys- Living in John's physical album? albums. I, the whole album, just to see what else was on that. Because it was just oh my physical. God. And I... But what I'm doing is I see how much I can listen and, and then, then you I delete, turn, delete. Uh, and I gonged the shit. That one actually I listened. I was like, what the fuck is this? And that was the first so- extra song you the heard? The whole first five minutes of that are just the dolphin, dolphin sounds. sounds. I know. I was like, what the fuck is this? Is that, that the only soundtrack? other song you heard from that album though? Oh, no. There are other ones that I gonged oh. immediately. Oh, yeah. I mean, most of them were terrible. Yeah. They all sounded like that song in Greece that they wrote for the movie. That yeah. It was just for her. That yeah. That whatever song she sings, hopelessly totally devoted. devoted yeah, to hopelessly. De- they all sound just like that. They're yeah, all garbage. Yeah, I mean she's terrible. She's oh my god, I loved singer. her. I, I loved don't know why because it's awful. She was a wholesome. Uh, yeah, that's true. It was because it was because Wait, of Greece. That's did, why we loved her. I you know mean, that from let, Greece on, we she was our idol. Well, did you know that Let's Get Physical was? I don't think I wrote this on here, but it was originally written for Rod Stewart. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, That's when she cut all her hair short for physical. To, to look like Rod Stewart. November 28th, actress drowning death. Natalie Wood? Natalie Wood. Yeah, I didn't even know who she was. Yeah, she was a movie star. Yeah, she, she was drowned. in a movie with James Dean. Did you hear about what happened with her drowning? Do you know? I know that this? it's suspicious. Some people suspect Robert Wagner and some people suspect Christopher Walken. Really? As being involved. Yeah. During during the making of the film Brainstorm, Wood drowned while on a weekend boat trip to Santa Catalina Island on board the Splendor. Mm-hmm. Many of the circumstances surrounding her drowning are unknown. It was never determined how she entered the water. She was with her husband, Robert Wagner. Wagner. Brainstorm co-star Christopher Walken and the Splendor's captain, Dennis Daffern, on the mm-hmm. evening of November 28, 1981. Wood's body was recovered by authorities at 8 o'clock a.m. on November 29th, one mile away from the boat, with a small inflatable dinghy named the Valiant found Mm -hmm. beached nearby. According to Wagner, when he went to bed, Wood was not there. The autopsy report revealed that Wood had bruises on her body and arms as well as an abrasion on her left cheek. Yep. Wagner acknowledged that he had an argument with Wood before she disappeared. The autopsy found that Wood's blood alcohol content was 0.14%. And there were traces of two types of medication in her bloodstream, a motion sickness pill and a painkiller, both of which increased the effects of alcohol. Right. 
Following his investigation, Los Angeles County Coroner Thomas Noguchi ruled her death an accident by drowning in hypothermia. Yeah, right. According to Noguchi, Wood had been drinking and she may have slipped while trying to reboard the dinghy. Yeah, right. You think That's Rob, suspicious. You think as Robert well. Wagner killed her? Or Christopher Walken. Or Christopher Walken? Maybe. That's, there's rumors about that. I got a prescription for more cowbell. I think he's supposed to be a real asshole, too. I. I hid this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass yeah. for seven years. Uh, and he killed somebody. He's Maybe. supposed to be an asshole, he said. I think, yeah, I've heard that. December 4th, 1981. We're getting to the end of the year. December 4th, 1981, On Golden Pond came out. I remember that, yeah. I never saw this or ever even heard of yeah. this, but why would I? Oh, you I? haven't it's, ever heard of it? I don't think I don't think so. Maybe, yeah. but yeah. I, it didn't sound familiar to me at all, but I read a bunch of stuff about Henry yeah. Fonda and Catherine Hepburn, and they never done a movie together and all this other crap, and it seemed real boring to me. Yeah. Did you like that movie? No, it was about I old people. It's like old people, mm-hmm. and you're, when you're a kid, you don't care about this. December 30th, 1981. Yes. The greatest thing in hip-hop ever. Like one of the biggest deals of hip hop. Like you cannot say you know anything or like anything about hip hop if you don't know about Kumo D versus Busy B. All right. At the Harlem World. So this is the biggest hip hop battle of okay. all time. And Manhattan's Harlem World nightclub, Cool Mo D performed one of the most ruthless career dissections of all time. Taking the stage right after Busy B star Ski, Cool mm-hmm. Mo D was pissed at B's claims that he'll take out any MC. Proceeded to attack his predecessor point by point, dissing his name, his live show, and his trademark "ba wada ba" chant. All Busy B could do was yell "Shut up!" on the mic helplessly. You can hear him say "Shut up!" because <laughs> Busy B starts off like rocking the crowd, yeah, to like, get everybody going. It's kind of like. It's kind of like old, just like Sugar Hill Gang, yeah. where it's just like, God, yeah. just like fun party rock, rap, yeah. and then Kumo D just like takes it to a different and just like tears you can hear that up. now. Yeah, it's on oh, YouTube. Yeah. It's everywhere. You can just look up Kumo D versus Busy B, and Kumo D just tears him up at, at the end. And you can hear him yelling, "Shut up!" Which is cool. Now the shot stung, but Mo D closed the case when he broke into his revolutionary fast rapping style toward the end of his routine. And you gotta li- if you haven't heard this. If you like rap at all, you gotta listen to it. It's it's great. Like yeah. it really it changed everything. Changed everything with rap. Mm-hmm. And old Cool J he he battled Cool Mo D and it became a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, rap battles weren't a thing before this. No, they were a thing, but this like changed oh. it. Like he tore him up. Yeah, like, he, like just changed. They were a thing, but they would just like I do party rock and then you do party rap. Oh, you know? it rap wasn't battles a were a big thing. Yeah, but this one was like he was like. Going tore in, the guy yeah. up like specifically him yeah. um but it's like old school and you can hear them you can tell they're on a stage in the 80s and yeah. it's crazy sounding um that's how rap started just in the streets people battling each other that is all she wrote that is all i figured that's a lot i feel it it was a lot right yeah but, yeah so we're in the um, 80s we have a new logo shout out everybody yeah we got a new 80s logo enjoy our new enjoy our new 80s logo which is made on some 80s simulator thing that everybody's playing with a while back. It looks awesome. I love it. You it did a great cool. job. It looks cool. Yeah. I'm going to get that tattooed on my scrotum. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hey, I was thinking the other day, should we make t-shirts? Oh, we should. Because I was thinking, we need like business cards to pass out to listen to my podcast. And, oh, yeah, pay, business cards and maybe get some cafe press. We could do Get Out of Here Chuck Berry in the front yeah. and on the back it could say. American time. Yeah. With our logo. Yeah. Coffee mugs, hats, frisbees. Let's do it. Umbrellas. Condoms. Shoehorns. Shoehorns. All right. Um, dentures. Dentures. Yeah. Grills. Grills. Yeah. Grills. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, get the fuck out of here, Chuck Berry. I love you guys. I love all of you. Yeah. Yeah.